raise the bar on health and live with maximum vitality. This is the Vitality Podcast with Andrea Page. Andrea is a Bali-based naturopath redefining health as living with maximum vitality. Tune in for practical life advice and start aligning with what your body wants. Our bodies are trying to talk to us. Let's listen. All right. We are on. We are on. Welcome, beautiful people. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're here for the Monday night community health. Is the person sitting next to you lovely? Yes. Isn't that nice to be in a room of lovely people? Lovely. I love how heavy the room is on this side this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're a lovely person. You already said that, Tom. Awesome. I'm going to talk this way tonight, I think. Just for the sake of evenness. Now, maybe people will come in late. I'll go ahead and close the door. So, go, raise your hand if you've been to one of my Monday night lectures before. Alright, so lots of newbies. Awesome. Ground rules. Ready? Ground rules. You can laugh. People tend to think I'm really serious, and then I get people who don't laugh, and then that, that makes me really serious. So you can laugh. That's rule number one. Number two, I'm going to talk about poop. I will talk about poop. We're okay with that? And you will laugh. Very good. Now we're getting clever. I love it. Okay. Mm. So welcome. You are here for the Monday Night Lecture Series. My name is Andrea. I'm the director of the detox department here at the Yoga Barn. And every week we come together to start to think critically about health. And that's really my intention with these sessions, is to start turning on the wheels, the wheels in your head of, of thinking for yourself. Because this is one of the greatest things that's been, unfortunately, not taught to us and taken away from us today. And of course, we have all of these factory setups, factory school system, you know, you graduate, you go to university, you go, you get married, you have kids, and then you're working a job 9 to 5 all the time, so you can't even speak. And then by the end of it, you haven't really thought much. And a big part of that process of industrializing our life was actually taking our health away from us. Right? Our health has been taken away from us from around the 1930s, since the advent of pharmaceuticals. Right? And it's been taken away from us, given to doctors, medical practitioners. Right? Like, have you ever come home? You know, from the doctor and someone's like, oh, what did the doc say? As if you, who's lived in your body for 10, 20, 30, 40, you don't have anyone really old. We have people really young. Odd years, as if you who's lived in your body that long has no idea what's going on inside. More often than not, unfortunately, that is the case. People have so disconnected from their bodies that they have no idea. And so they go to some kind of practitioner, be it a medical doctor or be it me, a naturopathic doctor. And so we'll start there. We'll start with my biases. I am always passionate to expose my own biases. I find it really important that anyone who's giving any kind of public lecture probably has some opinions. And so I choose to show you mine up front so that we don't have any hidden cards by the end. And so I am very much from natural medicine, and that's uh, the original, the oldest kind of medicine that there is, it's the medicine before medicine was needed because it's a system of healing, a system of health. And so that's what we talk about. That's why this class is called Health, Monday Night Health. We talk 
about health. We don't talk about disease. And that's one of the great imbalances of the system of medicine today, right? Doctors are thoroughly trained in the science of disease. I get doctors coming through, medical doctors and surgeons and lots of other medical practitioners trained in science coming through my programs all the time. And they say things to me like, we never learned about any of this. Right? The classic one is that in North America, to graduate as an MD, you have to have eight hours of nutrition study. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And so we, we, we start to see the understanding that there's a bit of an issue here and that people have lots of ideas about diet and health and all of this other stuff. My plan tonight wasn't actually to talk about food. We'll see if you guys have any desires. Let's see where we go. In general, I'm here to tell you that I practice health. I don't practice disease. I study health. I don't really study disease. It's kind of a byproduct of living in the modern world that I'm exposed to disease states and I'm aware of the conditions and things. But really, my, my specialty, let's say, is health, not disease. So that's my major bias, I'd say, is health. And health is roughly equivalent to balance. Yeah, balance and health are usually interchangeable. Otherwise, I have a master's of science in something called ethnobotany, which is the study of the relationship between people and plants. My specialty is gastroethnobotany, food plants, what kind of plants people eat all over the world. I did my master's thesis research here in Bali, actually, a few years back, and uh, I was studying an academic concept called the nutrition transition. And this is something super obvious. You've all seen it and you know about it. It's the change in diet that's occurred in a very short period of time in the third world, in the less developed countries, just about over the past 30 years, where people have started to eat way more refined products, like sugar and wheat, right? processed things, processed refined hydrogenated oils, as well as more animal products, higher meat intake, things like that. And so with this huge dietary change, which is, of course, coupled with a lifestyle change, those two things are inseparable, We've witnessed really a humongous rise in disease, mostly in diet and lifestyle related diseases. And so other training that I've had uh, from Cornell University under Dr. Colin T. Campbell, the author of the China study, has shown and proven that actually the five most prevalent maladies of our time, heart disease, autoimmune diseases, obesity, cancer, and diabetes, those are not only completely preventable, but also possible and reversible through diet and lifestyle change alone. So that's the kind of work I do. I also have a humongous bias toward the large intestine. I'm a career colon hydrotherapist, and I'm the director of the colonics department here. And I like to say that I bring the detoxification back into all of the health things that people are overly concerned about today. You know, eating healthy, drinking green juice, all of this is a fad now. Right? And people are always talking about the input but very rarely are people saying, did you poop today? What did your poop look like, right? How was it? How often do you poop? These kinds of questions are fundamental to the concept of health, yeah? And so that, that's a very, very important question. And I, I give homework sometimes, so I think this week's gonna be a homework week. Your homework is to leave here. Ask someone who's not in the room if they poop today. Write <laughs> <laughs> that down? Yeah. Good, you're laughing, good, you did your first rule. All right? So yeah, you got to do it. Just do it. Because a lot of our mission to come back to health is actually to make poo less taboo. So my cleansers who started fasting today, and anyone else who's been to my talks before, my friends, how often are we humans supposed to poop? Three times. Once per
per day. Thanks, Carla. <laughs> once per meal per day. That should be news to most of you, especially if you've never seen my face before. At once per meal per day, something comes in, something goes out. Just like babies, just like dogs. I try to say this every lecture I give because I simply can't tell enough people. Unfortunately, somewhere along the line, normal turned into like once a day, right? And then the guys who were super poopers pooping all the time, they didn't tell anyone about pooping or they just told their guy friends who also pooped three times a day. And so it never got to the women. The women never knew that we were supposed to poop multiple times per day. And there's a lot to this. There's a lot to the psychology around pooping because quite often it's polarized since a very young age. Like you guys, young. I don't know if you remember when you were kids, but often kids are trained, potty trained, and it's like, oh, good job, Billy, good boy, Billy pooped in the potty, right? Or maybe Billy pooped in his pants, and it's, ew, yuck, smelly, bad boy. And there's nothing between. It's this polarity of good and bad, and there's nothing else. And so what we find is that people hold all of this information about poop and their bowels and all of this embarrassment and shame inside. But let me tell you, after a career as a colon hydrotherapist, as soon as I tell someone what I do, it's like the floodgates open. They're so excited to talk about their poo nonstop. <laughs> yeah, so you'll, you might find that when you do your homework tonight. You can let me know. You let me know later. Awesome. So from there, uh, other biases worth mentioning. I think we covered most of them. But I want to tell you a little bit about uh, something that's very near and dear to my heart. It's something that is the basis of all healing, really, in my eyes. And it is a complete vacation. So how many of you are on vacation? Throw up those hands. How does it feel? Really good. Yeah. Are you taking this vacation because you want to be able to go home really rested and renewed and rejuvenated? Maybe, maybe some of you are going back to work? Never. Yeah? Well, what if you never had a vacation? What if you were never even given weekends? What if you had to work all day Every day, every day of the year. This girl's face over there, it's classic. Like, <laughs> horrible, horrible glare. Yeah, what if? How would you feel? Come on, tell me. Stressed out. Stressed out, yes. How else? Sluggish. Tired, sluggish. Keep shouting, Mom. Anxious. Anxious, I love that one. I mean, I don't love it, but I get it. <laughs> yeah. Anyone? Exhausted. How would the quality of your work be? Not good. Bad. Yes, exactly. You would not be working or functioning so well anymore if you had to work all day, every day, every single day of the year, no holidays, no weekends. And guess what? We've just made an analogy where you represent your digestive tract. Because most of the time, your digestive tract works all day, every day, every single day of the year, every single year of your life. Now, most of you in this room probably don't have much experience with fasting. And that's not a judgment. That's simply an observation of the world, the state of the world today. Yeah? So tonight we're going to be talking about a vacation. Not for you, and you're already in Bali, we, we can talk about that later. But a vacation for your digestive tract. Because what happens when we stop taking in solid fibrous matter, and that could be, let's say, the definition of fasting, as we'll talk about it here tonight, not taking in solid fibrous matter for an extended period of time. We call that fasting. And in a period of fasting, all of a sudden, the digestive system gets to slow down, right, shut off, 
and after a certain period of time, go completely into hibernation mode. And the digestive system itself in a human being, it can take up to 70% of all available energy. And this is stuff that you guys have experience with. If anyone's from Canada or North America after a Thanksgiving meal, right, for your Europeans after the big Christmas meal, right, for the rest of you after any humongous meal, how do you feel? Yeah, you don't know how you feel because you're sleeping. <laughs> you're that tired, that exhausted, that worn down. And so we know very well firsthand this transfer of energy coming from potential energy anywhere in the body to the digestive tract. It's hogging all of that energy to digest because unfortunately today we're eating things that maybe weren't meant to be eaten by human beings. Right? Things like processed food and the list goes on. I'll just stop at processed food. The modern human meal today has more than 50 ingredients in it. And each one of those ingredients is a chemical signal to the body. Our digestive tract is so overwhelmed. It's like if you were a worker at a desk and I gave you 50 tasks to do at one time. Right? On one day, in one cubicle. Non-negotiable, you have to have them finished by dinner. Right? And so we find that our digestive tract is not only overworked, but given way too much work to do, given work to do that it wasn't qualified to do, and by a result of that, it's sluggish. It's anxious, maybe. Right? It's tired. It's worn down. And the work that it does, the work that it does produce in the end, is less than it's capable of. And so if I ask you to raise your hand if you've ever burped, farted, had indigestion, acid reflux, heartburn, diarrhea, constipation, I guess. See the hand starting to go up. You don't have to raise your hand. But you get the point. Digestion today is a whole other ballgame. We're so far away from understanding what is healthy or what is normal. Because we just tend to overwork our system way too much. All right, so if I haven't convinced you enough that your digestive tract needs a holiday, let me continue. <laughs> All right? So what happens when you fast? Some of you might think, oh my god, this is scary. In fact, sometimes when I, I mean, let's do it, let's do it. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. We're going to go through a guided meditation. I want you to imagine every single thing that you've consumed today on a table in front of you. See everything you took when you first woke up? See your breakfast there? See lunch next to it? Any snacks that you had mid-morning or mid-afternoon? Any drinks you had with that? Put it all in there. Any little tastes or bites of someone else's meal, put that on the table in front of you. And just look. Look at everything that's there. And that's just today, up until about 6 p.m. Now, I want you to imagine that someone comes in and swipes all of that off the table. You have had none of that to eat today. What's your reaction? How do you feel? Where do you feel it in your body? Just notice whatever's coming up for you. <laughs> and then come back to your breath and you can go ahead and open your eyes. Visualization is a really powerful tool. Right? It actually, it's like three-fifths of doing something. It tricks your body into thinking that you're actually doing it if you visualize properly. So did anyone have any physical reaction, any visceral experience when I swiped everything away? 
Scared, hungry, yeah. Star you were starving. Starving means you're gonna die. Okay? Yeah. Taking it away? Yeah. yeah? Day six of a fast. Hallelujah, sister. So cleansers who just started on day one, go talk to her after, okay? <laughs> Good work to you. Alright, so so what we're looking at here is probably perhaps for some of you a big red light root chakra of fear. Because that's what most of the world deals with with fasting today. Because it's something that's so foreign to us in the modern world. You know, it's getting more popular now, and you guys have made it all the way to Ubud, so you might have heard of fasting before. But you know, in the mainstream world, those people out there, not us, those people, they've never heard of fasting. And so it really ignites this root chakra. I can talk about chakras because we're at a yoga studio. Everyone? Yeah, those spinning wheels of energy, energy centers in the body. The root chakra represents security and stability, right? Safety, food and shelter. And so when we take food away immediately, bam! We've ignited that root chakra of fear. And if you don't have your root in, then you have nothing at all. And so that could be the scariest thing that you ever receive as a human being. It's a threat of fasting. You see that? And so when we start to fast, don't tell me your water broke. <laughs> I love you. I'll see you soon. Everyone wish her luck. She's like, any, any day, any day, any day, any day. When we go back to the root chakra, okay, we're back at the root chakra, right, where the baby comes out. We have all of this fear, and that tends to destabilize people quite a lot. And so I, I hear a lot of people, maybe even you're thinking this in your mind, oh, I would never fast, that's horrible, I would never do that to myself, that's so unnatural. Why would you starve yourself? Right? All of that. Because we simply don't know anything about it. And so I'm here to tell you a little bit about fasting, to perhaps propose to you the idea of, at some point over the next 365 days, considering a fast. And that doesn't have to be here with us at the yoga barn. Right? It can be anywhere. And so my, my job through this lecture will be to arm you well with the understanding of how to do and what to do in a fasting situation. All right? So we've already defined fasting as a certain period of time without taking in solid fibrous matter, okay? Once we have that under control, we can start to look into uh, how, what, where, when, why, and all of those other journalistic questions that one would ask about fasting, all right? So when we look at how, that's a really important one to have first. How is in a relaxed setting? How is when you're not working? Right? So a really good time to fast when you're in Bali. Right? On holiday. Because stress, work, and fasting are inherently, they're like opposite ends of a magnet. They cannot go together. Right? From there, we look to understand that not only do we have to be relaxed in a relaxed setting, but we also have to make sure we're surrounded by people who support the idea of fasting. Yeah, I can never fast at my mother's house. Because every day I wake up, are you going to eat today? Are you going to eat today? Are you going to starve? Right? This, kind of, this whole mentality, even though this has been my profession for years, and she's seen me on day 20-something of a fast, and been like, wow, you look really good. But still, you're going to starve. Right? This mentality is so deep inside of us. And so that root chakra, that fear, has to be somehow mediated. It has to be addressed. And so if that's with a daily meditation practice, really great coupling to fasting, 
that's a gentle yogasana practice, incorporating some movement into your fasting time, right? Whatever it is for you, if that's writing, really powerful practice, start to embrace these things and bring them in. How, how, how is our first question. So how do you do a fast? Well, if you've never fasted before, you do it by waking up and having water for breakfast. And then after your water for breakfast, you have some more water. And then by the time you get to lunch, you said, wow, I did it. I fasted for a few hours in the morning. You said a certain period of time. That doesn't have to be days. You can fast for breakfast. Try that out. That's the first step. Anyone can guess what the next step is? Yeah. Maybe a few weeks later, you say, I'm going to try it again. I'm going to try out waking up, drinking water, going a few hours, drinking some more water. It's coming to lunchtime. I'm going to do some gentle yoga and meditate and drink some more water. Maybe I'll have a green juice. That's OK. Right? And then maybe it comes to 5 or 6 o'clock and you haven't eaten anything today. Well, there, you've already gotten over that hump of the guided meditation that I led you through at 6 o'clock and you haven't eaten. Wow, that was an experience. You learned. You learned most of all that you would survive, right? mostly that you wouldn't be hungry. And then you come to 6 o'clock and maybe you have dinner. All right, so a few weeks later, you try it a third time. This time, you don't have breakfast or lunch or dinner. You go a full 24 hours without eating anything. And by this point, the body doesn't really realize it's fasting, but it's a really good way to start to get the mind in the right place. Fasting, I always say, is like a muscle. It's like a muscle that you build. And so you know how to build muscle, right? This kind of thing is common knowledge today. You pick up a five kilo weight, and you, you pump it a few times. And it feels heavy the first few times. But then you keep doing it. You put it down, and then you pick up a five kilo weight again. And you're like, wow, it's not heavy anymore. At the beginning, it was really heavy. So then you decide to pick up a 10 kilo weight, lift it, pump it a few times. And you're like, wow, this is really heavy. And then you do it a few more times, and by the end it gets light. You see that? You're building muscle. And what seemed difficult at first is no longer difficult. The same thing with fasting. And so the way that I encourage people to start experimenting on their own, because it's very safe, actually, to start experimenting on your own juice fasting, as long as you follow the guidelines that I'm putting out tonight. You start with a short period of time. Maybe that's half a day. And then you double it. Right? So you've done one day. So then you can do two days. Try out a two-day fast. Maybe after that you want to try a three-day fast, take a long weekend. After a three-day fast, maybe you can try a five-day fast. Right? Do a five-day fast a few times so you feel really confident. Because mind you, confidence is most of it. Most of fasting happens here, as I told you guys this morning, right? in the mind. And then after that five-day fast a few times, you'll feel confident to do maybe a six, seven, or eight-day fast. Right? By then, once you've done an eight-day fast, this whole idea of hunger, you'll realize is actually just an idea. And then after that, you can go on and go forth. After like a 10-day fast, it's a good idea to somehow be supervised by a fasting professional in one way or another. Just someone who's done it more times and has more experience over a longer period of time. Alright? And the other thing that I'll say on this how question is that it's really important to prepare for the fast and to finish the fast really easily. And so I like to make an analogy of like a ramp. There's a ramp easing on to a fast, and then for a certain period of time you're on the fast, <coughs> and then you ease off. I think I saw a bug. <laughs> you ease off the fast going down the ramp. Is it still fasting? 
No. <laughs> See, I'm not bouncing right now. And so, <coughs> with this system, you'll find that the days easing into the fast will be half the length of the fast itself. So let's say you were doing a six-day fast. How long would the ramp on either side be? Very good. I have a room of mathematicians. Three days. Three days to ease on to the fast, six days on the fast itself, and three days to ease off. What would those three days look like? Well, they would definitely, first off, eliminate all of those really difficult to process things for your human body. Any kind of processed food, anything that's in a package, has multiple ingredients, right? Definitely eliminating any kind of stimulants like caffeine, alcohol. Those days would also include eliminating animal products, and definitely first animal meat and later dairy and eggs. Then you go on to the fast, maybe the third day before you start the fast, you eat like vegan-like food, all right? Whole foods, vegan-like food. The second day before the fast, you're gonna eat mostly fruits and vegetables. So things like grains, you're gonna start not to have any, any kind of processed vegan foods still stop having. And then the first day before the fast, the day right before the fast, you're really only gonna to wanna to have fruit and maybe a little bit of salad. Nothing else, not much more. And you wake up the next morning, the fourth morning, and you're on the fast. You fast for perhaps six days, and then after day six, you're gonna ease off the fast in the same exact way as you eased off. And so you'll start by breaking the fast with what? There we go, now we have some critical thinkers in here. One kind of single ripe fruit. You'll have that on the first day. Maybe in the evening on the first day, you'll have salad. Second day, what are you going to have? Yeah, you might want to just have fruit again. Keep going slow because after the fast, you're more sensitive than you were before the fast. But yes, the second day you would have, you know, fruits and vegetables. You would have simple vegan food, mostly raw, some steamed or boiled maybe. The third day then, definitely vegan food. And only after taking that sacred time of easing out of a fast, do you go back to eat normal food. And please, please, please realize the importance of easing out of a fast. Quite often it's more important than the time you were fasting itself. Because the thing is that easing out of a fast, your body's in a very sensitive state where you can do much damage. And let my hard-learned lessons back when I was like 18 and fasting, I would break the fast with like cookies and macaroni and cheese, right? Allow my lessons to have been learned for you. Because trust me, the body rebels. When you've shown the body a good time, an easy time, a calm time, and then all of a sudden you challenge it again, it says no. You can come back in two weeks to my food combining lecture to learn more about that. But yeah, it says no. And so be kind to your body. Alright? So, I think we, we went how first, but I think it's about time that we go to why. Why? That should have been probably first first. Why would we want to fast? not only to give your system a holiday, but on a much deeper level to allow for healing. In natural medicine or health, as I told you at the beginning, everything is based upon the understanding that the body has the full capability, capacity, and desire to heal itself. We simply have to allow it. We simply have to step back and let it happen. And most of the time, fasting is doing just that. Because when we're eating, you know, even when we're taking herbs, we're doing all these other things, we're kind of using strings and marionettes to dictate what's going on in our physical body. But when we just step back and take the simplicity 
of the body healing itself, it does. And you guys know the body healing itself. If anyone's ever had a cut, or a scrape, or a burn, what can you do? Cover it up, and after time, the body heals itself. It starts to produce new layers of skin from bottom up, right? It puts out an anti antibacterial pus, right? Or blood, something to freshly oxygenate the area and kill any invader, right? The body has these self-healing mechanisms built in. It's so super powerful. So maybe also breaking a bone. There was a story of breaking a bone this morning. What do you do? You put a cast on. The doctor doesn't do anything. Maybe they'll reset it. But over time, the bone repairs itself. We've seen this happen, but somehow we don't believe it when it comes to our physiology, our hormone signaling, high or low blood pressure, right? Different kinds of endocrine imbalances, right? Oh, for that, we need medication. Why wouldn't the body be able to heal itself? It does so in every other way. All it needs is the time and space to do so. And fasting provides time and space in such a powerful way. Okay? Because the, the understanding of all of this energy flow, remember I told you up to 70% goes to digestion? Well, when we allow the digestive system to shut off and go on holiday, that energy starts to become available for healing and cleansing at a cellular level. And so that's the work that I do. That's the work we do here at the Yoga Bar. And it's a work that you can even do in your everyday life. Because all you have to do is simplify. Simplify, simplify, simplify. Make the input, a la food and drink, as simple as possible. And it'll mimic a fasting-like state over long periods of time. And you'll have more energy. Right? This is like what they say with the raw food diet. You're in Ubud, so you might know about the raw food diet. Have more energy, all that kind of stuff because you're not constantly taxed by this process of digestion. See, so we're using the energy in the way, all right? So, yes, indeed, all kinds of chronic, ongoing illnesses actually can be healed. Acute illnesses definitely can be healed through fasting. So let's say vomiting or diarrhea. These are some of my favorite symptoms that come out of the body, right? It's something ejecting out of one end or the other end. Anyone ever had vomiting or diarrhea? Yeah. Did you ever keep eating when you had vomiting or diarrhea? Some of you probably did. <laughs> Not all of you should say no. <laughs> what happened if you kept eating? Have more diarrhea. You would have more diarrhea and you would have more vomiting. Exactly. This is one of my favorite signals to interpret from the body because what's happening when we're vomiting or having diarrhea is that the body is literally hitting the eject, eject, eject button. Right? It's trying to spit something out. Right? One way, one way or the other, it's going to get it out. Right? And that's great because your body, guess what? It's trying to heal itself. See that? It's trying to help itself. And the minute you take an antidiarrheal, you're stopping that healing process. Yeah, you see that? The minute you take an anti-vomiting, anything, you're stopping that healing process. The minute you take something in your mouth, you're stopping that healing process. And most often than not, the body will retaliate, either by throwing it right out. It's just like if you were literally trying to spit and someone was stuffing something in your mouth, you would probably get a little bit upset. Yes? And so my best advice that I could give you, especially for people who have Bali Belly, you're traveling in Bali, heard of Bali Belly yet? Yeah? Is actually not to eat. And it takes, I don't know, maybe 10, 12, 16 hours only for your body to finish ejecting whatever it was ejecting and repair itself. Does that make sense? It's super, super, super powerful. 
So this leads us to our next question of the who, what, where, when, why, how. When? When should we fast? Number one, time to fast is when you're sick. And this is totally counterintuitive, I know, to anything you might understand or believe about fasting or about illness, right? Because, oh, you're sick, you're weak, I have to give you food and strengthen you. But the thing is, on day 17 of a fast, I could feel like I would run a marathon, right? Day six, she said she's never felt better in her life. Most of us never get to this territory where we see how beautiful the body and health can be. And so health and fasting often are one path leading to the other. Often the path of fasting shows us what health can be, what our body can be uninhibited by all of these constant tasks, right? Homework, things to do. It shows us what our body is at this neutral state, this cleansed, clean state. It shows us really how much inflammation there is in the body and how much there isn't, right? Often people find they just deflate completely, right? All of the puffiness gone because that's actually not their natural state. In our seven-day detox retreat week, we take before and after photos of people's faces so they can see the tremendous change and they can see actually what their face looks like, right? We're so vain and obsessed with our faces today, right? The face you've been looking at in the mirror the whole time, maybe it has something to it that's a byproduct of eating things that are difficult for your body to process. And when you stop taking anything in, the body gets to heal itself and it's not exposed constantly to those chemicals and it gets to go back to a natural state of super, super, super powerful stuff. Alright? So when to fast? When you're ill. Yeah? Because this whole idea of food as fuel, have you heard of that old adage? It's, it's something that I'm often uh, trying to show in another light. Because yes, in one respect, food is calories. We need calories to you know, burn calories and subsist. Although there are some people, there's actually a guy here in Uvud right now, an Argentinian guy who hasn't eaten or drunk in eight years. I know that seems unbelievable to you scientists out there. He's what we call a breatharian. His name is Victor, you can try to look him up. Uh, there are people in India, sages, who haven't eaten in 70 years or drunk in 70 years. Right? And this is something totally beyond science. Scientists, scientists have studied uh, sages in India who, who are breatharians, and they'll hook them up to monitors for 20 days at a time. They eat nothing, they drink nothing, and you know, they just don't believe it in the end. They say, oh, this was a faulty experiment. Right? It's beyond the laws of science. When we get into the yogic sciences, we see that we have prana. Have you heard that word, prana? Vital life force energy. It's something that's common to every culture throughout the entire world. In China, they call it chi. In Japan, they call it ki. In Hawaii, they call it mana. There are names for this energy, this vitality that's within us inherently. This aliveness is part of our birthright here on Earth. And the more we can start to tap into that, and that's what we're essentially doing in yoga class, is learning how to awaken that aliveness, the more we can tap into that and run off of that, the less we need other things, yeah? And so when you fast, there's no choice for other things. And when you fast, you kind of take out the, the stop lid off of the chronic energy, and it starts to just flow through you. And so yes, on day 17 of a fast, I do feel like running a marathon. I have that much energy, of course I don't. 
I keep it in me, but the old natural hygienist and natural hygiene, if you're interested in learning way more about fasting more at an advanced level, uh, I encourage you to go to a website called soilandhealth.org. It's a free library with tons of different information. I can post it tomorrow on my Facebook page if you guys want. It's a free library with tons of information about everything from soil to health, and a lot of the natural hygiene texts and mind you, natural hygiene is the precursor to the modern movement of naturopathy, natural medicine. A lot of the texts are there online because the guys who wrote them are dead, you know, so they go free after that. It's great, great. And so you can download them for free and start reading. And in natural hygiene, what we as natural hygienists do, I know, I think you want me to say it again, it's soilandhealth.org. You got it? All right. A lot of what we do as natural hygienists is indeed water fasting, the purest fasting at all, where we have simplified to the greatest, greatest extent and we're not putting anything in except for pure, fresh water. And so a lot of the original natural hygienists, Arnold Airhead, on day 50 of a water fast, he would go and climb a mountain to just show as a public display how much energy he had, how alive and vital he was. And to try to change this paradigm. Because when we can start to learn to live from this inner sense of vitality, all of a sudden, the need or the desire for all the stimulants and the other places where we get vitality are no longer needed because we have all that we could ever want. We understand at a much deeper level what it means to be healthy. We're experiencing aliveness in this human body to its maximum extent. And that's worth more than gold in my experience. And so a lot of the mission of what I try to do here is to help people raise the bar on health. Whereas health is not defined merely as the absence of disease, but rather health is living with maximum vitality. It's getting out of bed every morning like you did when you were a kid. Right? Waking up and saying, what can I do today? What can we play with? Where can we go? Right? How can I experience more? When was the last time we did that? <laughs> Yesterday. Did I hear that? Good, very good. Love her. You can come back anytime. <laughs> Alright? Yeah? Well, what if it's tomorrow? And a lot of that, to get that back, takes a process where you're no longer putting stuff in, where you're no longer clogging the system, where you're no longer overwhelming your body, this hard worker, with all of those tasks. It takes a holiday. It takes a period for rest and renewal and restoration, yeah? And so I haven't even talked about any of the scientific benefits of fasting, things like clarity, clarity of the mind, clarity of the spirit, clarity of the emotions. I have a lot of people on my programs leave and say, I know what I want to do with my life, right? And a lot of people leave six months later, they write me an email and say, can you recommend any health healing degrees? <laughs> Something like that. Because they, they realize that indeed, this old adage, another one, health is our greatest wealth, Remember I told you that feeling of vitality is more valuable than gold? And so, the benefits of fasting are unending. There was research, thankfully, that was done about eight months ago or so on cancer patients, so not healthy people, right? Chemotherapy patients, in fact, they were put into a water fasting regimen for a period of three days. And what was shown during that period was at first the white blood cell count dropped, right? And you're like, hey! But then, when they started to refeed, all of a sudden, the white blood cell count went up way higher than it ever had been before the fast. What was observed in the body during the fast was old leukocytes, lymphatic cells that were no longer needed or used, were recycled 
and sent away and detoxified from the body so that new ones and healthy ones could be alive. And so during these three days where you think, oh, you're fasting, you're not eating, you're getting weaker, actually, you get stronger. You get more able and more stable on the level of your immune system. You're building resilience and hopefully reconnecting back to that chronic source of energy, which is super, super, super crucial to living any kind of fulfilled or happy life. All right, so what questions do we have left? How, what, where, when? All right, we didn't finish when, ready? So number one in when was when you're sick. Definitely, as soon as you start to feel any kind of illness pass, that's gonna allow your body all of its energy reserves and forces to be sent directly to that illness, right? So when I first moved here, I got a motorbike injury. By all means, as soon as it happened, I started to fast. And that allows the trauma, right, all of those stress hormones circulating through the system to be processed and recycled faster than they would be normally. It allowed my body to send as much energy as it could to repair and heal, right? Before and after surgery, really good time to fast so that your body has all of the essence it can to heal, yeah? Other times to fast, we already talked about body belly, things like that. The cold that's going around the office. Guess what? It's not that it's going around the office. It's that people who are catching it have subpar immune systems. See that? If you have a really strong immune system, you're not going to get that cold, no matter who coughs on you. The inventor of the germ theory said 10 years later, I wish I'd never invented that. And so, by all means, you should fast then to strengthen your immune system as well as get rid of the cold. It will be gone in 24 hours. What else do we find? Times to fast. Not only when you're sick, but definitely ever so often. Incorporate it. Use it as a tool in your life. I tell people who graduate from my programs that fasting is a superpower. You're building this superpower so you can start to become more like superhuman. And when you understand fasting and understand that you're not going to starve, that you're not going to be hungry by 5 o'clock, right? that actually you're probably just dehydrated because most of all, hunger is actually thirst you find that you can do this, that you didn't ever have to compromise again on eating something that's less than the quality of food that you want to be putting into your body. Because you can just choose to have water and wait a few hours until there's something that is worth putting in your body. But every so often, using fasting as a tool, and so if that's a few times a year, if that's one big fast every year, if that's with the moon cycle, if that's with the change of the seasons, as ever you want to use it, you can. Right? Every so often. When else to fast? Definitely uh, when you are on international airplane travel. And this, is, this might be a contentious one if you guys have never done fasting before. It might be scary. Right? But if you're on something like a 16-hour flight from Tokyo to New York, by all means, your digestive system completely shuts off. And your body nearly shuts down completely. So fasting on an airplane is super, super, super important to respecting your body. Because the airplane sealed a dehumanitized compartment at high altitude is the most unnatural environment that the human body could ever dream of being in. I haven't done too much research on submarines yet, but I think airplanes are worse. Yeah? So other times to fast uh, when you're sick, when you're on an airplane every so often, and when you're stressed. And that doesn't mean go on a full-fledged fast, you know? But when you're super stressed out, like at work or something, that 10-minute 
at the cubicle, eating really fast meal, that's not going to digest well. The two parts of your autonomic nervous system, the flight or fight, and the rest and digest, guess what? Rest and digest, but it's in the name. Right? The parasympathetic nervous system has to be on for digestion to even remotely occur. And so when you're stressed and you have the sympathetic nervous system active, digestion isn't really going to happen at its greatest extent. And so the good thing is, the good news, and you guys as yogis here at the yoga barn, you know this. All it takes to switch back to the relaxation setting is 10 deep breaths. And it's really powerful. So that fourth when to fast when you're stressed, it's not like you're stressed, so go on a week-long fast. It's like you're stressed, so don't eat when you're stressed. Take 10 deep breaths, and then a half hour later you can eat. Does that make sense? Cool. So, uh, yeah, fasting is this ancient art. It's something that's so interwoven into our DNA. Our body knows exactly how to do it. It's just our mind, quite often, that holds us back. Fasting is something that's found throughout all cultures and religions throughout time, right? From Lent to Ramadan, right? To Yom Kippur, to tons of Hindu holidays involve fasting. It's everywhere. But in the modern world, right, we think Lent means not eating chocolate. We think Ramadan means feasting as soon as the sun goes down. That's not how it originally was, right? Religions were part of cultural dictation at the beginning. They were part of advising people how to live a healthy life, and for sure, an extended fast once a year, by all means, is part of a healthy life. And so the religion would dictate that into, infuse it into the program. So super, super, super important stuff. I'm doing some research, uh, happened for the past year with some researchers in Morocco, who are looking into the ancient Islamic texts in the Quran and seeing really where we have uh, the underpinnings of what true Ramadan is, that it was indeed a full fast and not wait till it's midnight or sundown and gorge yourself and then not have anything during the day, because that's of course totally a balance, which is totally not health. Cool. Alright, so I think we covered all of those. Uh, every fasting lecture I give is different. Uh, the only last thing that I think I want to say before opening it up to you guys in questions is that uh, releasing is a necessary part. If you go onto a fast, you need to be able to release through the colon. This is super integral because if there's nothing coming out, then you're not actually detoxifying, you're holding it in. You see that? And so that can happen through natural bowel movements depending upon the inherent strength of your large intestine, your colon, you will or won't have natural bowel movements during a fast. Most people won't because you're not taking anything in, so there's not going to be the peristaltic signal, the muscular action from the top downward. Um, and so, you have the help of colon hygiene. And colon hygiene can be defined as putting water in and getting waste out. Water in, waste out. Right? And that's done in two different forms mainly. The first one is a home enema kit. Highly recommended. Yeah, you can look up enemas later and learn more about them. And the second one is colon hydrotherapy, which I told you I was the director of the clinic here. And that's going in, it's like 14 times an enema. It's having a therapist do it. The only kind of colon hydrotherapy that I would ever recommend, and note this down please, is gravity method. That means there is no machine involved. It's simply gravity bringing water into your body. So if your body says no, the water stops. If you have a machine, it's like having a garden hose up your back. And you don't have to be fasting to get colonics, that's the great thing. In fact, if you're going on to a fast, it's recommended that you have colonics before the fast, 
as well as during and after the fast to make sure that all stages of your body's detoxification are accounted for. Yeah? But in, in colon hydrotherapy, here we practice something called the Woods Method. It's a very specific form of colonics. Super, super, super incredible, efficient, and meant for detoxification kind of stuff. We're aiming not only at getting waste out, that's what all colonics do, but most colonics stop there. We're also aiming to rehabilitate this muscular movement that I told you most people's are atrophied today. Yeah, that's why most people don't poop two to three times a day. And then third over, we're trying to get water to the far end of the bowel, a place called the cecum. This is the most toxic part of the body, most toxic part of the bowel as well. It's the rubbish bin of the rubbish bin. And we're trying to wash out what's there. You know when that happens, you often get chills, you get super nauseous, it's like a mudslide through the tube. And that's really awesome. My teacher says that's roughly equivalent to one year of your life in toxins. So this is a super, super, super efficient way to detoxify. And people often say to me, well, colonics are not natural, right? Well, we have actually observed storks. You know the big birds that have beaks and they're meant to deliver babies? They don't, they don't actually deliver babies, but they have been observed filling their beaks with water and <laughs> spraying up another stork's butt. <laughs> yeah, to give them a colonic, right? So this is a natural response to the very toxic world that we're living in today. In, in order to be able to detoxify at such a rate that we're taking in toxicity, you see that? And so uh, colon, colon hydrotherapy was invented really by the ancient Egyptians. And as we practice it here at the yoga garden, we have a very traditional kind of method. And it's, again, the most efficient and effective way to detoxify. You can get a lot done pretty quick. And so if you've never had a colonic before, I can't even tell you that you're, this is a really good place to try. It's also but not the price that it would be in the West. And so do take advantage of that. We're, we're often booked out, so I don't know what the schedule this week is like. But see if you can get in for a session and experience it for yourself. Because remember your homework was to talk about poop. Well, seeing your own poop come out of a tube can teach you a lot. It's a big awakening experience for people quite often when they're like, holy, all of that was inside of me? Yeah. And that's not even fasting. So. so much, so much, so much to learn in this world. Uh, my intention really is first to start the wheels of critical thinking and secondarily to pique your interest in these topics. Even if I never see you again, maybe you'll go off and research them on your own and 10 years from now you'll be a world-renowned fasting coach. How cool is that, right? These things start with you. They start with your own experimentation and your own going inside to find your own understanding of what health means for you in this lifetime. So we have maybe one question time left. Sorry, I talked over your question time. Anyone? Questions? What did I forget in the fasting lecture? Tell me. Yes. Who? Who? Oh, love you. Yes. So who can fast and who can't fast? Who can fast, who can't fast? Great question. Pregnant women, that's why she left. <laughs> she, she's heard this lecture before also, she's been coming for several months. Um, and pregnant women can not fast, nor can they detoxify. You can do it, guys. Okay, so anyone who's pregnant or breastfeeding, bad time to detoxify, really good time to nourish. Right? Other people who can't fast, people who have um, kind of a, a chronic anemia that would usually reflect as being underweight severely, 
right? And then that can also lead us to certain people with psychological imbalances, any kind of anorexia, bulimia, eating disorder, things like that. You want to do some other rehab work before you're going into fasting. Other than that, um, above a certain age or below a certain age, usually the age of six, you want to have guided medical care. Um, that doesn't mean you can't fast. Usually up until six, you don't want to be toying with those things. Again, it's a time of nourishment. Um, but I have fasted people 90 years old, um, and you just have to be careful. As for that, people who are taking heavy amounts of either drugs or drugs in the form of pharmaceutical drugs, right? obviously not a good idea to fast. And working with a fasting practitioner, you can work to usually start limiting those and taking someone off over time, because as the body regulates and heals itself and balances itself out, because that's what happens when you fast. Any kind of hormonal signaling, any kind of imbalanced heart stuff, if it's high cholesterol, low, low blood pressure, whatever it is, over time it balances itself out, the body heals itself. That's going to go away. Right? So you tailor off medication, things like that. Um, in general, everyone would benefit from fasting, especially if it's just giving your body a break for a day. Yeah? Good question. All right, so I'll take one more. Who thinks that their question is more important than anyone else's and that everyone has this question too? Yes, I'll let you go. She can ask me anytime. Yeah. What's the best thing to drink if you're not only going to Oh, I love you. Yes, I love you guys. Sorry. See, this is the stuff that I'm like, say that later, and then it doesn't happen. So what do you drink? Okay, so water fasting is the ultimate. It's the pure fasting. I mean, I guess breatharianism and, and not having anything dry fasting, as it's called, is the pure, but I would not recommend that. I don't have much experience with it. Water fasting is, is what we do as natural hygienists, but that takes you living in the countryside, completely not surrounded by telephone wires and cables and bad energy, having clean water, clean, fresh air, all of these kinds of things that are very hard to access in the world of today. The world of today is simply a bit too toxic for water fasting. If you go and you research that natural hygiene stuff that I said, soilandhealth.org, those guys were doing this work 100 years ago where the earth was really different. But thankfully, in the past 100 years, we've invented the cold press juicer, right? where we can extract fresh minerals and nutrients, phytonutrients, from plants. And the juice fasting, is, it's become super big fad because it is the ultimate answer. It's the, the negotiation, if you will on how to fast in the modern world of today, and it's, it's the safest way. So that's what we do practice here at the Yoga Barnes Juice Fasting. And primarily green juice, that's a big underlying highlight that often people don't get if they haven't beet or carrot or other kinds of juice. Mostly green leafy vegetables, things like celery and cucumber. There are tons of different recipes online. You'll have absolutely no problem finding ideas for juicing. I don't need to spend your time telling you that. Um, and then you can have coconut water, Although often foreigners are drinking coconut water way more than we should be. It's not like a replacement for water at all. It's not something you're supposed to have multiple times per day. It's a little bit every so often. Yeah? Um, except for you cleansers, you, you guys are okay. <laughs> we want to fill you up. <laughs> um, for both coconut water and green juice, it's recommended that you swish it around in your mouth for proper absorption and digestion. Um, and that's each time before you swallow. You can have herbal tea if you want, keep it light. In general, the simpler you go, the better. On our cleanse program here, these guys are here, they have tons of things to drink. Are you guys full yet? Are you, is liquid coming out of your ears? Right? Because we want people to be happy and feel safe. And so you also have to kind of negotiate with yourself what's too much. But if you just have green juice and water, that's, that's fine. 
Is it the less the better? Or? Yes and no, because you don't want to go close to a water fast. Like I have people um, who are on extended fasts, and by day 10 maybe, they say, I just don't, I don't want this anymore, because the body inherently wants to go simpler. The body will always want to go simpler, but to stay safe in the world of today, you need to continue consuming things so that your body doesn't drop down into the state of water fasting. I would say fasting is like a roller coaster, ups and downs. Water fasting is like this. The highs are much higher and the lows are much lower. So juice fasting, that's what's safe to do on your own. I, I do not recommend water fasting to anyone doing it on your own unless uh, you're supervised somehow. And if I were guiding someone through a water fast, I would have them living with me. And that would usually be for an extended water fast. Awesome, ladies and gentlemen, you have to change nothing. You have to just continue being your amazing, amazing selves with a little more awareness and a little more open-mindedness to the future and, and what's possible in this human lifetime. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. Um, a few announcements. I have a manifest up here. I'm recording a lecture, if you see. I'm about to launch a big podcast series uh, where I uh, will send out some lectures for free to the people on my manifest. So if you want to join, Comment with your email up here, and there's a space for comments and stuff like that if you're interested. Um, if you are from Europe, come talk to me because I'm coming to Europe from September to November, and I'm going to be giving lectures like this at health food stores and yoga studios and also teaching a bunch of yoga. Uh, so we can liaise there, and I'll see you soon. And I'm teaching restorative tomorrow night at 6 p.m. if you want to come learn about the magic of turning off the nervous system into a relaxed setting at 6 p.m. at the other studios. And then I have my own class, Nada Yoga, on Thursdays at 3 p.m. I would love you to come. It's delving into some of these deeper things like energy, like feeling trauma, like connecting people to people in a way where you start to understand a little bit of the concept of aliveness. So that's Thursday at 3. For now, drink lots of water, like three liters a day or more. And um, sign up on the mailing list. I also have a Facebook and I'll just I didn't I don't have my little printout so I'll you guys can write it down. It's Facebook.com forward slash cleanse with Andrea. A N Z R E A. And maybe I'll write it on the board somewhere. Um, and the page is called Live for Vitality. So I would love if you like that page and um, join me there. It's exciting, actually. If nine of you like the page, then I'm going to be at a thousand likes. Woo! <laughs> yeah, when I post every day, multiple times per day, new health information, new research studies, reminders about all this stuff so that you can stay asking the questions and all this time with critical thinking about your health. See you guys. Forward slash cleanse with Andrea. Yeah. You guys are absolutely amazing. If you feel like now is the time to change your life and start a fast, I think we have one spot left for the cleanse program starting tomorrow at the three-day fasting program. Um, so I have some flyers about that. You can see it outside. Um, I have to run. A friend of mine is giving a lecture starting at 7, so I won't be here to answer your questions, but I do answer all questions that are sent to the Facebook page personally. Um, so if you had a question that you didn't get answered tonight, you can send it there. You guys are absolutely beautiful. I'll see you soon. Incredible people, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Remember, you don't have to change anything right away. Simply become more consciously aware. Tune in next time for more interpretations of our body signals. And don't forget to reprioritize your life around your health to live with maximum vitality.